This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Monday, January 9th. You're listening to WNBF. A police officer being investigated for his actions during a New Year's Day arrest in downtown Binghamton has been assigned to desk duty. A 24-year-old man filed a complaint last week with the city police department regarding the officer's actions. Video clips posted online appear to show an officer kneeling on the man's neck near State and Hawley Streets, a short distance from the police station. Police Chief Joseph Sikursky Friday morning released a statement about the department's investigation into the complaint. Sikursky said the agency continues its investigation into a personnel complaint made Monday regarding the arrest that was made on State Street on January 1st. The police chief wrote, the officer who is the subject of the complaint will remain on desk duty pending the results of the investigation. Sikursky's statement indicated the man was arrested and charged with disorderly conduct and resisting arrest around 3.20 a.m. on New Year's Day. He said the arrest followed a fight involving multiple people. Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram issued a statement to news organizations indicating the incident would be swiftly and thoroughly investigated to determine facts, including review of body cam footage. Frankie Rios, age 42, of Troy, New York, pled guilty to illegally possessing a firearm as a convicted felon and possession with intent to distribute cocaine and cocaine base. Rios, a convicted felon, admitted that he possessed a 25 caliber Mauser handgun with six rounds of ammunition on March 30th, 2019. The handgun was recovered from Rios by Troy police officers responding to a stabbing at a bar on 4th Street in Troy. Rios also admitted that on February 17th, 2021, he possessed over 100 grams of cocaine and cocaine base with intent to distribute those substances in Troy. Rios faces a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison, a fine up to $1 million, and a term of post-imprisonment supervised release of at least three years when he's sentenced on May 11th. On January 8th, a state trooper observed a 2020 Jeep Renegade traveling eastbound on State Route 104 in the town of Webster at a high rate of speed. The trooper pulled out from his stationary position while attempting to catch up to the target vehicle. The Jeep Renegade drove off the south shoulder and struck the bridge at Five Mile Line Road. The vehicle overturned and caught fire. The trooper utilized a fire extinguisher to control the fire and extinguish the flames. The operator was pronounced deceased at the scene and was the sole occupant of the vehicle. The driver's name is being withheld pending family notification. The West Webster Fire Department responded and assisted at the scene. The New York State Police Bureau of Criminal Investigations is continuing the investigation. And the New York State Office of the Attorney General responded to the scene. On January 6th, state police arrested Thomas R. Butts, age 37, from Casanova in New York and charged him with one count of criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, a Class C felony, 15 counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, a Class D felony, and 22 counts of failure to safely store firearms in the first degree, a Class A misdemeanor. The arrest is the result of an investigation into an illegal narcotics complaint inside his residence on South Road in the town of Fenner. During the investigation, drug paraphernalia, including syringes and numerous glassine envelopes, Envelopes were located in the area of numerous handguns, assault rifles, assault pistols, and high-capacity magazines. In total, 12 handguns, 6 assault rifles, 2 assault pistols, 4 shotguns, 5 rifles, and 18 high-capacity magazines and several compliant magazines were seized. Butts was arraigned in the town of Fenner Court and released on $35,000 bail. New York Attorney General Letitia James announced the sentencing of Kadka Pradhan of 52 of Rochester for raping and sexually assaulting an 81-year-old nursing home resident suffering from dementia at the Shore Winds Nursing Home in Rochester in September 2021, where he formerly worked as a housekeeper. In Monroe County Court, Judge Caroline Morrison sentenced Pradhan to 25 years in prison on those charges. 
to be served concurrently and 20 years of post-release supervision. In November 2022, a jury convicted Pradhan of rape in the first degree, criminal sexual act in the first degree, and endangering the welfare of an incompetent or physically disabled person in the first degree, and other lower-level offenses. In a press release last week, Attorney General James stated, when a New Yorker enters a nursing home, they and their families expect that they will be treated with care and respect. Kadka Pradhan committed hideous, shocking crimes, violating an elderly nursing home resident who trusted she would be safe at Shore Winds Nursing Home. No time served can ease the pain forced upon one of our most vulnerable, but make no mistake, my office will always go after violent criminals and ensure they are held accountable for threatening New Yorkers' safety. After an epic 15-ballot election to become House Speaker, Republican Kevin McCarthy faces his next big test in governing a fractious, slim majority that could come today when lawmakers are set to consider a rules package to govern the House. Drafting and approving it is normally a fairly routine legislative affair, but in these times, it's the next showdown for the embattled McCarthy. To become Speaker, McCarthy had to make a concession to a small group of hardliners who refused to support him until he yielded to their demands. Now those promises, or at least some of them, are being put into writing to be voted on when lawmakers return this week. And President Joe Biden has wrapped up a four-hour visit to the U.S.-Mexico border. The president walked a muddy stretch of the border and inspected a busy port of entry on Sunday, but he did not appear to meet with migrants during his first trip to the region as president. His visit to El Paso, Texas, came as Republicans try to blame him for the record number of migrants coming into the country. Republican Governor Greg Abbott handed Biden a letter saying he has failed to enforce federal law. Later Sunday, Biden arrived in Mexico City for a two-day summit of North American leaders. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, partly sunny with a high near 36. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a low near 29. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, a high near 36. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, a low near 28. And on Wednesday, mostly cloudy with a high near 41. Wednesday night, chance of rain showers after 8 p.m., mixing with snow after 9 p.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 33 degrees, chance of rain 40%. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, news radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Joseph, Monday morning, ready to roll on News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 12:90 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Seven 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 two twelve ninety is our number, and we welcome you to the start of another week. I hope you enjoyed your weekend, and I hope you're prepared to be informed. Listen to me, ask a few questions, and of course, take dozens of phone calls over the next week. Opportunity for you 
share your thoughts, ask appropriate questions, and ultimately become better informed. That's ultimately what I think we all do with this program. And I think uh, I think every day, every day is special. We don't know what, we have no idea what to expect from one minute to the next or one day to the next, but we are here for you on WNBF. And let's get things started. Let's take a call at 607-772-1290. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning there, Bob. It's uh, Dave from Vestal. Morning. Yeah. Welcome. Good morning, sir. Hey, you know, speaking of the weekend, Bob, you know, it, it turned out to be a great weekend. I, I had a I had a nice blend of uh, uh, blazing the turntable, some music, football, and C-SPAN. It was, it's quite a, quite a good blend. Uh you know, I really miss that old hard-driving organ, uh, double live album, Uriah Heep. I haven't played that in years, Bob, and boy, was that good stuff. Uh, wow, we haven't heard uh, we haven't heard that uh, in quite a while. Wow, well, a long time, a long time. But, that, but you know what really made me happy, Bob? Remember I called last week and accusing the NFL of cheating and, and trying to get Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in there? Well... Yeah, thank God. You know, Seattle knocked Detroit out by their win, but thank God Detroit still played hard, and they knocked the Packers out. And I feel so good about it because the NFL tried cheating, and you just you can't win when you cheat, unless you're the Democrats, of course. They're about the only ones that can get away with it. But, um, you know, I also, and C-SPAN, Bob, you know, I want to shift the politics because I told you we promised we'd get back into it this week. Um, when I was watching, and, and I didn't realize this figure, $290 billion, Bob. I'm going to tell you what that's for. Remember when Trump first took office and he went over to Europe there and he started making uh, the countries Germany, France, feeling uh, a, a little bit short, <laughs> accusing them of not, you know, holding their own, kicking in their fair share towards NATO. Well, come to find out, $290 billion, that increased once he did that for the weaponry budget. And Ukraine's been using that. They use a lot of that. So let's say thank you, Mr. Trump. And I notice a lot of times, even you and some of your callers will say, yeah, Trump did some good things, but... And then we always go back to the same old stuff. Well, you know what? Let's try talking about the good things that we did. Let's hear more of them, Bob. Well, they were good times. You know, I look back and even seeing what happened in Brazil Sunday, I think... uh, you know, we had some actual good times. When you look back, you know, in 2021 with the insurrection, and now we're less than three years from, or less than two years from the next insurrection coming up in January 2025. So, you know, it's uh, it's nice to see. It's nice to see that, oh, yeah. uh, that the American way is now being, um, you know, serving as an example for other countries. That's uh, a mess in Brazil. But, um, yeah, it looks... I think they took their insurrection attempt one step further than the U.S., but uh, we'll see what happens in a couple we'll of years see. here. Yeah, sadly. We'll see, bud. Yeah. 
So, all right. Well, it's okay. uh, it as they say, it's all good and plenty. That's what they used to say at the candy company until they found out that having too much of that candy was not good for kids. And they said, kids don't eat so much of them good and plenties. What else is going on? Let's see. So, I would have to go and bring up the situation in Brazil. It says, in Brazil capital, a frenzy mob storms Congress, akin to January 6th attacks. Supporters of Bolsonaro claim vote rigging without evidence. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My goodness. Uh, thousands of supporters of Brazil's ousted former president, Jair Bolsonaro, stormed Brazil's Congress, Supreme Court, and presidential offices to protest what they falsely believe was a stolen election, the violent culmination of years of conspiracy theories advanced by Mr. Bolsonaro and his right-wing allies. That's the lead in the story from the New York Times by Jack Nickus and Andre Spigaro, in scenes reminiscent of the January 6th storming of the United States Capitol, protesters draped in the yellow and green of Brazil's flag surged into the seat of power, setting fires, repurposing barricades as weapons, knocking police officers from horseback, and filming their crimes as they committed them. One protester declared, we always said we would not give up. He said that as he filmed himself among hundreds of protesters pushing into the Capitol building. Congress is ours. We are in power. So that's what our friends in Brazil are dealing with right now. Well, well, Bob, <laughs> I know you're saying... Well, what do you expect? What do you expect, anyway? Well, sadly, that's about what you would expect. You know, it's too bad. It's too bad that people can't just accept the results of an election and go on. One thing about elections in countries that still have them, there's always another one. There's always another one just around the corner. So if you lose one election, assess what went wrong, and then begin your next campaign. Fairly simple. 919, this is Bob Joseph with you on a Monday morning at News Radio WNBF 607-772-1290. We're on the air at 92.1 FM and 1290 AM and Always available on the free WNBF app. As News Radio 
WNBF with Bob Joseph, your easy listening station. Let's go back to the phones. Gary, on the west side, you're on the air. Hey, good morning, Bob. Boy, what fantastic weather we've been having, huh? I mean, this has been, as long as the shovels stay where they are, you know, it's a, it's a happy day in Binghamton. Oh, happy you know? day. Oh, happy day. Didn't the Farmer's Almanac call for excessively cold and snowy winter? I mean, I think... Don't know. Never pay attention to it. I I always found the concept to be dubious at best, and I always thought news coverage every fall or whenever they released a fabulous Farmer's Almanac, I always thought that was one of those thumb-sucking stories that uh, took valuable time away from professional journalists, time they ought to be spending doing something more relevant to their community farmers almanac i I mean i agree everybody is entitled to go buy the farmers almanac every year when it's released and heck if you uh, like that sort of thing buy lots of copies but um as far as what some person putting out some publication what what they say about our winter um based on who knows what it, it has no relevance to me but again that's just me but i yeah, they may have said. They, I think, yeah, I could look it up, but I, I choose not to. I think every, that's what they yeah. said. But. Every every you know, year, I, every year when I hear about the, the Farmer's Almanac winter prediction, I just, you know, close my ears and change the channel. Yeah. You know, as a new year begins, sometimes we look back on news stories or whatever. I happen to look back and I was thinking, you know, there's, a, there's some news stories that I would like finally to get some answers to, you know, as I look back. There's three of them that I'd like to mention. Number one, and I think this is very important, maybe the rest of the country doesn't feel so, where did COVID start? And let's find out where it started and how we can stop it in the future. That's number one. Number two, Jeffrey Epstein's, uh, uh, what can I say? The people that were with him. How come, like, there's no list of all of these people that took part in his shenanigans on that island? No names are mentioned, none of that. That story's unresolved. And, of course, we've got the local story, number three, Eliza Spencer. But the first one, where where did COVID start, Bob? Did it start in the lab? Did they make it up? Did it come from the bats? You know, it, it ha- that's not important anymore. Is it just me, Bob? Am I wrong about this? Wanting to know no, it's, where it started? It's important. You will hear more. The story's not over. It hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, in due time, you're going to hear more about it. I don't know that there's been a conclusive. There's been any uh, true conclusion on the part of experts about the origin. I think there are still things that yeah. need to be nailed down. Oh, that story hasn't gone away the other stories haven't gone I away i think it has and well with, it's gone well, away for the moment i mean okay. look today you know i wake up excited to start another new week raring to go i mean almost as they say if i was sean hannity i would say literally raring to go but i know how to use the word literally correctly so i'll just say i was raring to go when i woke up this morning and then my enthusiasm balloon was popped when the first story on CBS, the CBS breakfast show, 
was about that um, guy across the pond. Harry's new explosive allegations. Why is CBS leading with Harry's new explosive allegations? I don't care. You don't care. Even across the pond, they don't care. They did this because they had... A 60 Minutes interview last night that essentially, and I didn't watch it. I did but, watch that. Yeah, I well, essentially, it. the only reason for it is Harry has a book out. So it's it it probably right. was about a 13-minute commercial for Harry's new book. And then CBS Breakfast Show this morning with Oprah's friend leads off with Harry's new explosive allegations. Now, if Harry had a new explosive allegation about something affecting our country's government, that'd be different. But these explosive new allegations about a dysfunctional family, I don't want to hear about it. Now, I know there is a market for that. And I'm not saying CBS should not cover it. but to Mostly start, women, right? I think I don't, guys don't care about it. I think uh, women do care there, about well, it. Well, I, I, I know some guys who care about it. I'll just say this. You may be right. And by the way, for people not familiar with media... The target audience in media is women, basically 18 to 49. Really? It's not it is. people like, who spend money? Most I mean, of, this, dis- most of the money, discretionary I- money, according to market research, I believe, is still most big or ongoing purchase decisions. Grocery shopping, shopping for clothing, things that you need around the house, tends to be, I believe, done by women 18 to 49. That is basically the demo. That not all advertisers. I mean, every advertiser is seeking perhaps something more specific. But if you want to generalize, TV and radio advertisers covet that demo, and they covet women. I'm, I mean, maybe this is a difference between the sexes. I just, I just know the men I know make very specific, and there are a few exceptions, so I know I'm going to generalize, and somebody will call in and say, well, I'm not that way. But it seems most of the men I know, when they go shopping, they say, I have to get six items. I'm going to this place and get six items. Then I have to go some other place to get two more items and then another place to pick up something else, and then I'm out of here. Women, and maybe this, I don't want it to come across as sexist, maybe times have changed, but typically women, based on research, have, have spent more time shopping and therefore tended to make more of the buying decisions like that. So anyway, maybe that's why CBS would lead with Harry's new explosive allegations. Maybe they thought that story was more interesting than the violence going on now in Brazil. And some would argue, well... Why do we in America, in the United States, care about the trouble in Brazil? Well, I submit to you because it sure looks like they got the idea from some of our neighbors and friends from two years ago. So it looks like they're, they're trying to simulate our insurrection. But Harry's okay. new explosive allegations, I don't know. So anyway, yes, I got off on a tangent. I got over it. I'm I mean, Harry. They, they, about <laughs> Harry. They, you know, what about Harry? I... I really don't. No, I don't care about yeah, Harry. But, but, but you know, and that's about, you know, if it really Epstein's clients. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, know, right? I, I, I mean, you know, and I don't I, know what. I, I, I really don't know what's going to happen. I, who knows? I, I don't think we've heard the last of that story, as far as the I local story. Well, 
We'll see. I, I personally don't think we have. Now, is there ever going to be a complete resolution <laughs> to, to satisfy most people? I don't think so. But will there be more revelations about his clients? I would guess. I don't know who. I don't know if it would be the New York Post, the Washington Post, uh, a British tabloid. There will be new revelations. Whether you like it well, or not, off. yeah, it's. I mean, if there if there, are, if there are powerful people that are on the client list, do you really think that the story will continue? Yes. Or do you? You do. I, you don't think that the power will cut that off? Will well, they'll try. So powerful that they could squash. They could, and, and maybe yeah. that's one reason why it hasn't come out yet. I still say eventually more of the truth will come out. Will the complete? Unvarnished truth come out? Probably not. But yeah, you could also not. you could also say to yourself, does the complete unvarnished truth about anything ever come out? And I'll say no, no, not for any story, any big story or even small stories. The complete unvarnished truth never really comes out. So can well, can you look uh, forward to, to seeing and hearing more revelations about the clients? I say probably. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. You know as as Al D'Amato would say, in the fullness of time, whatever that means. Oh. I guess I guess he used to say, in the fullness of time. Instead, we'll have to wait and see. But I I, I think like make- I think for all three of those items you mentioned, there will be more coverage. I hope so. I especially on the latter. But I, I do want to make one comment about football. The last time the Giants won a Super Bowl, they were a wild card team. And we're unexpected to go anywhere. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's just... What year was that? You know, I don't know. It was, what, <laughs> 2013? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah it was a long time yeah, ago. No, I, I, I think, can't remember. I think I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but... All right, Bob. All right. You know, hopefully they get the Pinkerton case solved. I really, you know, I, I'm sure they... The, Cops are working hard on that. Well, they are frustrating with no information. That's the frustrating. Well, part I can't help it. That, that, that is something that could be resolved instantly. You know, if yeah. if that's a that that is a city hall decision, and the residents of the city, they're they're good with it. Let's face it. Mo- apparently, most residents, if they didn't like it, they'd be calling in this program, and then they'd also be sending messages to city hall and begging for some updates but apparently only a handful of people primarily reporters and listeners to this program want more information apparently most of binghamton's 44,000 residents are are content with being kept in the dark without any regular updates on the investigation so you know with with, what you know do you think that before the anniversary of her death there will be an update or do you think it's going to be complete silence for the whole year? Well, at this rate, it'll be complete silence. Again, it's up to Binghamton residents. Binghamton residents could change this quickly if they started contacting City Hall and saying, we want updates. You're you know, right, it, it's, it's, right it's, not, it's not cast in stone. You know, the, the guy does, when I say the guy, Mayor Jared Cram does read his emails. He does. So if you send email to the mayor, he'll read it, and if he gets enough of them, he might change his policy and might decide 
to do an update. He might even decide to do an update today on this program by calling in, even, even if it's a short update and saying that there's nothing additional really concrete he's able to say about the police investigation, but he wants to reassure Binghamton residents and people who live across the area who are concerned about the status of the case that the police are continuing to use all available resources to find out who fired the fatal shot. That's not that hard to do. I didn't even have to think about it. I didn't spend any time thinking about a statement that I could prepare for the mayor. And he, he could do, I'm, I'm confident, I have spoken with Mayor Cram many, many times, mainly off the air since he's been mayor, and I spoke with him a lot before he became mayor. He could do an update, and by the way, so could Police Chief Joseph Zikoski. They both have the expertise to update people of the city of Binghamton about the status of the investigation, and it would not be a problem for them and it would not endanger the investigation if there's nothing they can say specifically about the investigation they can say that but they could also answer general questions about steps that have been taken if there have been many um in recent months have there been many tips received as a result of the twenty nine thousand five hundred dollar reward things like that they can talk about they could eat, yeah, but know, well, here's another thing. We don't have a suspect. We don't have one. Well, we do. They wouldn't say that. Or, I don't believe. Well, that. here's another thing. For investigative purposes, sometimes, and it has happened before, sometimes police and prosecutors have lied to the public, whether they have a suspect or whether they haven't. And they've justified it after they've made an arrest and sometimes a successful prosecution. They've justified providing misleading or false statements to the public by saying, well, that, that was part of our investigation. It was part of the investigation technique. We know we don't usually, we don't usually put out false information to the public, but sometimes we do if that's what we think has to be done to further the investigation. You know, if say if the police chief today announced we do have a suspect, I cannot say anything more, but I can tell the people of Binghamton that investigators have now identified a person of interest in connection with the April 21st killing of Eliza Spencer. He could say that. It could be true or it might not be true. And it could be designed, if he did announce it, whether it was at a news conference or in an email news release or even calling to this program, he might do it to try to generate some movement in the case. Say, if they are monitoring someone. You know, police also have access to those little, what do you call them, those little air spuds, those little yeah, things Apple, that you can put. Airpad, yeah, airpad, whatever those things are. So say, right. and they can also... Even in 2023, they can still monitor telephone conversations, texts, and other things and uh, use that as part of their investigation. So I wouldn't be surprised if, say, if they make an announcement, whether they hold a news conference, which is unlikely because then they'd be forced to answer questions from people they don't want to deal with. Right. Um, make a statement. Yeah. So if they put out a statement or whatever... It, it might be 100% true, 
could be 100% false, or it could be a bit of each to further the investigation. I mean, that's one, one, and that's the thing. We don't question. know. With this new case, with the police officer allegedly putting his knee on the neck of the victim, do you believe that they have not released the, uh, the police camera video because they're afraid that they might incite a riot because that maybe it shows more than they want to do right now. You think they're just holding that back? Or why wouldn't you release the uh, police cam video? There could be a number of reasons. And I don't know. I, I don't know mm-hmm. much about that case beyond what was shown in, in the short video clips that were on social media i haven't seen any body cam footage i don't know haven't talked to anybody who was there either the person who was hurt and filed a complaint about the police behavior i haven't talked with any of the police officers i haven't talked with the police chief or the mayor about it so i i think you know as much as i do on that case and i have one uh guess about what happened there alcohol was involved Oh, I would say that's yeah. likely the case, but likely the case. You know, isn't that almost always the case with unfortunately. with unfortunately when people, whether it's people behaving badly with each other, I mean, just with people you know or people you don't know, or civilians and police or whatever. Yeah, unfortunately, alcohol's more involved. One thing I'll, I'll bet was not a big factor though was weed. I don't, uh, I'm I, sure there was probably weed involved. Yeah, well, there might have been people who used weed, but I, I won't say that any any of the people in, involved who may have used weed before what happened a week ago, that the the element of weed, they may have used weed and also been drinking. Yeah. Uh, typically, people using weed are not going to behave that right. way. But that is, again, that's, true, that's a generalization, right. but who knows? It is a generalization, yeah. so, but it's actually pretty true. So we'll see. All right, Bob. Thank you very much, and you have a good week. You too. It's 940 WNBF. Given the opportunity, I will ask a few questions. Right now, though, a note about carbine. It's a new year. Maybe you've said, I am going to get a new vehicle. I want a new Honda. Or perhaps you've said, I want a new Hyundai. And if that's something you want, you should consult the folks at Miller Motors, the Miller Auto Team at 4455 Vestal Parkway East, directly across from Binghamton University. They'll be open tonight till 7. So if a new vehicle is in your future, stop in and talk with them. And maybe a used vehicle, a nice, dependable, beautiful, late model, previously owned vehicle, car, SUV, truck, whatever, maybe that's what you want. Well, you can get it at Miller Motors. In fact, check out the used vehicle inventory online at MillerAutoTeam.com. Miller Motors on the Parkway. They've been there for a long time serving you, and they will be there to serve you for a long time to come. It's 941. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. I never... WNBF. 
607-772-1290. If you have a question, perhaps I have some sort of an answer. 607-772-1290. You got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? If you say that you are mine, I'll be here till the end of time. So you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? Think I'll stay. I think I'll say. <laughs> I think I'll say. No, I'll stay. 944. Bob Joseph, WNBF. WNBF.com. Of course, you can always uh, fire off an email if you wake up with laryngitis or if you're afraid that your boss is listening and will be unhappy <laughs> hearing you pontificating on the program. Um, email Bob at WNBF.com and do, 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 do. let's see. Oh, I like this. <laughs> I like this. Tommy from Binghamton with an email Crime, Immigration, and Inflation. Good morning, Bob. Tommy from Binghamton here. When the moment is right, would you please ask your listeners whether any of them are aware of any new legislation meant to address any of these so-called priority issues? Is there any legislation dealing with crime, immigration, or inflation written, proposed, voted upon, or passed by any members of our local congressional delegation? And Tommy means people here in the southern tier. <laughs> Good point. Any members of our congressional delegation, did they author any proposed legislation regarding crime, immigration, or inflation? That's a good question. Thank you, Tommy. We'll see. Our listeners are very astute, so if any members of uh, Congress from this region of New York State if they authored any legislation about crime, immigration, or inflation, I'm sure our listeners will be quick to call at 607-772-1290. Although Tommy isn't expecting much. This email ends with crickets, I imagine. Yeah, probably radio silence, Tommy. And he uh, concludes politely thank you always a pleasure thank you tommy that's something and we'll see how many responses we get to that inquiry between now and noon bob joseph live for you on a monday morning at 9 47 this is news radio wnbf 92.1 fm 1290 am streaming at wnbf.com you're one stuff
1949, Bob Jones. All the hits, all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, going to the back of the rack. What else is coming up? Oh, I, I know we mentioned on Friday, Mark Murphy, the guy who founded Greenlight Networks, which is uh, building a, a high-speed fiber alternative here in the southern tier, Broome County, and I guess they'll be doing it in Tioga County as well. Mark Murphy be uh, coming up on the program at 10.15. I have a few questions. <laughs> Quite a few. But anyway, uh, if you're interested in uh, high-speed Internet, and I think everyone I know is, if you want high-speed Internet, I say, by all means, tune in. Tune in for all the relevant details, uh, how they're doing getting the high-speed Internet to more people. More people. I know someone who once said, Bob, competition is good. I think competition is great. More competition. More competition is uh, great. So we'll talk with Mark Murphy, um, broadband. We had that discussion on our uh, Friday program with Carolyn Price and Cassie Robinson about what it's like to reside in a broadband desert glad i don't have to deal with that but i wouldn't mind having more choices for broadband internet seems to me that with more competition potentially they're oh i'm not saying prices would come down but maybe they wouldn't go up as fast so that'll be coming up next hour of course we'll have more calls from you as well oh carl hasty where is he where in the world is the assembly speaker today? <laughs> well, for one thing, he's nowhere near Binghamton. I remember uh, a particularly fun day when Carl Hasty actually showed up here at the studio. One and done, but it was nice. Don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining. Uh, he was, to my knowledge, the only assembly speaker in the history of New York State who ever showed up at WNBF, so that was fun. Anyway, Carl Hasty today will be in Albany. This is his public schedule at 2 p.m. He will give opening session remarks, so another stellar session of the New York State Assembly will get underway in about four hours, so I'll pay attention if possible, to hear what Carl Hasty has to say about the Triple Cities. Who knows? He might spend a few minutes in his opening remarks talking about Binghamton and Endicott. Or maybe he'll announce when he's coming back on the program. Good morning. Or no, it'll be afternoon, 2 o'clock. Good afternoon, my uh, fellow Assembly members and... Governor Hochul and to my friends in Broome County, I want to assure you I'm going to be on the Binghamton Now program on WNBF 92.1 FM and 12.90 AM very soon with another 
fine visit to the studio. You have my word. <laughs> you never know. I just uh, had to look up on our, uh, unfortunately, the Internet gives you prompt answers. He was actually in the studio in March of 2015. It's true. Carl Hasty was here about eight years ago. So I think if you ask me, I would say it's probably uh, about time for Carl Hasty to return. Once <laughs> every eight years. He could. I, I've got a picture. I see him <laughs> when, when he was here at the station. So anyway, Carl Hasty. Um, Oh, actually, now that I look at it, he actually made some news when he was here. I, I did a quick search, and I'm looking on a story uh, from Politico, March 6, 2015. The Assembly Speaker, Carl Hasty said the public should be concerned over Governor Andrew Cuomo's aggressive budget negotiating tactics. During an interview with Binghamton radio station WNBF, the new speaker warned that the governor's decision to tie policy-based issues into appropriation bills would upset the balance of power in Albany. Huh. All right. So there you go. So that would be something we would strive for. If he comes back on the program, say, in a couple of weeks, first... We'll make sure that we have the green green room set up for him with plenty of snacks. And then after the program, I'll take him over to the uh, Speedy place. And Carl Hasty and I will enjoy a Speedy sub and the beverage of his choice. So, as they say, as my friends Aerosmith would say, dream on, Bob. 9.56, Monday morning on WNBF. Did you know you... Willing to come on to our uh, Binghamton radio program at some point? Sure. 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 Sound like more J uh, Jay Leno to me. Sure. <laughs> Forecast now from the National Weather Service. Cloudy, but gradually becoming mostly sunny. Today, high 36. The winds will be calm, becoming northwest 5 to 8 later today. Mostly cloudy tonight, low 29. Cloudy tomorrow, high 36. And for Wednesday, mostly cloudy, high 41. Later in the week, showers. So far, no suggestion of any real snow problems. So you snowbirds <laughs> can stay put. You don't have to head off to Florida right away. We'll let you know. We'll let you know when we're going to be um, receiving 55 inches of snow, and that way you can 
book your ticket. Right now in downtown Binghamton, a beautiful, beautiful Monday morning in January. It's 29 here at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. We'll be looking forward to hearing from you. If you haven't had a chance to check in, you can in the coming hour. Also at 1015, just about 15 minutes from now, we'll talk with Mark Murphy. The Binghamton native who founded Greenlight Networks and is bringing more broadband service to upstate New York. It's 10 o'clock on WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Monday, January 9th. You're listening to WNBF. A police officer being investigated for his actions during a New Year's Day arrest in downtown Binghamton has been assigned to desk duty. A 24-year-old man filed a complaint last week with the city police department regarding the officer's actions. Video clips posted online appear to show an officer kneeling on the man's neck near State and Hawley Streets, a short distance from the police station. Police Chief Joseph Zakursky Friday morning released a statement about the department's investigation into the complaint. Zakursky said the agency continues its investigation into a personnel complaint made Monday regarding the arrest that was made on State Street on January 1st. The police chief wrote, the officer who is the subject of the complaint will remain on desk duty pending the results of the investigation. Zakursky's statement indicated the man was arrested and charged with disorderly conduct and resisting arrest around 3.20 a.m. on New Year's Day. He said the arrest followed a fight involving multiple people. Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram issued a statement to news organizations indicating the incident would be swiftly and thoroughly investigated to determine facts, including review of body cam footage. Frankie Rios, age 42, of Troy, New York, pled guilty to illegally possessing a firearm as a convicted felon and possession with intent to distribute cocaine and cocaine base. Rios, a convicted felon, admitted that he possessed a 25 caliber Mauser handgun with six rounds of ammunition on March 30, 2019. The handgun was recovered from Rios by Troy police officers responding to a stabbing at a bar on 4th Street in Troy. Rios also admitted that on February 17, 2021, he possessed over 100 grams of cocaine and cocaine base with intent to distribute those substances in Troy. Rios faces a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison, a fine up to $1 million, and a term of post-imprisonment supervised release of at least three years when he's sentenced on May 11th. On January 8th, a state trooper observed a 2020 Jeep Renegade traveling eastbound on State Route 104 in the town of Webster at a high rate of speed. The trooper pulled out from his stationary position while attempting to catch up to the target vehicle. The Jeep Renegade drove off the south shoulder and struck the bridge at Five Mile Line Road. The vehicle overturned and caught fire. The trooper utilized a fire extinguisher to control the fire and extinguish the flames. The operator was pronounced deceased at the scene and was the sole occupant of the vehicle. The driver's name is being withheld pending family notification. The West Webster Fire Department responded and assisted at the scene. The New York State Police Bureau of Criminal Investigations is continuing the investigation. And the New York State Office of the Attorney General responded to the scene. On January 6th, state police arrested Thomas R. Butts, age 37, from Casanova, New York, and charged him with one count of criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, a Class C felony, 15 counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, a Class D felony, and 22 counts of failure to safely store firearms in the first degree, a Class A misdemeanor. The arrest is the result of an investigation into an illegal narcotics complaint inside his residence on South Road in the town of Fenner. During the investigation, drug paraphernalia, including syringes and numerous glassine envelopes were located in the area of numerous handguns, assault rifles, assault pistols, and high-capacity magazines. In total, 12 handguns, 6 assault rifles, 2 assault pistols, 4 shotguns, 5 rifles, and 18 high-capacity magazines, 
and several compliant magazines were seized. Butts was arraigned in the town of Fenner Court and released on $35,000 bail. New York Attorney General Letitia James announced the sentencing of Kadka Pradhan of 52 of Rochester for raping and sexually assaulting an 81-year-old nursing home resident suffering from dementia at the Shore Winds Nursing Home in Rochester in September 2021, where he formerly worked as a housekeeper. In Monroe County Court, Judge Caroline Morrison sentenced Pradhan to 25 years in prison on those charges to be served concurrently and 20 years of post-release supervision. In November 2022, a jury convicted Pradhan of rape in the first degree, criminal sexual act in the first degree, and endangering the welfare of an incompetent or physically disabled person in the first degree and other lower-level offenses. In a press release last week, Attorney General James stated, when a New Yorker enters a nursing home, they and their families expect that they will be treated with care and respect. Kadka Pradhan committed hideous, shocking crimes, violating an elderly nursing home resident who trusted she would be safe at Shore Winds Nursing Home. No time served can ease the pain forced upon one of our most vulnerable, but make no mistake, my office will always go after violent criminals and ensure they are held accountable for threatening New Yorkers' safety. After an epic 15-ballot election to become House Speaker, Republican Kevin McCarthy faces his next big test in governing a fractious, slim majority that could come today when lawmakers are set to consider a rules package to govern the House. Drafting and approving it is normally a fairly routine legislative affair, but in these times, it's the next showdown for the embattled McCarthy. To become Speaker, McCarthy had to make a concession to a small group of hardliners who refused to support him until he yielded to their demands. Now those promises, or at least some of them, are being put into writing to be voted on when lawmakers return this week. And President Joe Biden has wrapped up a four-hour visit to the U.S.-Mexico border. The president walked a muddy stretch of the border and inspected a busy port of entry on Sunday, but he did not appear to meet with migrants during his first trip to the region as president. His visit to El Paso, Texas, came as Republicans try to blame him for the record number of migrants coming into the country. Republican Governor Greg Abbott handed Biden a letter saying he has failed to enforce federal law. Later Sunday, Biden arrived in Mexico City for a two-day summit of North American leaders. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, partly sunny with a high near 36. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a low near 29. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, a high near 36. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, a low near 28. And on Wednesday, mostly cloudy with a high near 41. Wednesday night, chance of rain showers after 8 p.m., mixing with snow after 9 p.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 33 degrees, chance of rain 40%. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, news radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. WNBF Live on a Monday morning with Bob Joseph. We'll be taking calls in a little bit. We'll be anxious to hear from you. If you have some thoughts about things going on in the Binghamton area or elsewhere in the world, certainly we'll encourage you to call in in a little bit. First, though, we'll have an update on Greenlight Networks in the Southern Tier and uh, across New York State. Our guest in a few minutes will be Mark Murphy. He's the Seton Catholic Central High School graduate who founded Greenlight Networks more than a decade ago. If you were paying attention to the program a few months ago, you may have heard Mr. Murphy talk about Greenlight Networks and the effort to roll out more high-speed broadband service here in the southern tier. Coming up, we'll get an update 
on uh, the company's progress. And um, I think there will be some very interesting things that we'll be hearing about Greenlight Networks uh, this week and probably as the year progresses. In the sense that it could be a big year as um, people are always looking for more options and just generally uh, better opportunities to obtain broadband service. So coming up next on our Monday program, we'll be speaking with Mark Murphy. And then uh, later this hour, perhaps we can talk about that question posed by a listener about just how active Southern Tier members of Congress have been in proposing relevant legislation dealing with some of the biggest issues, things like crime, immigration, and inflation. As uh, Tommy in Binghamton wrote a short time ago, he's interested if any members of Congress from this region have actually proposed legislation that was voted on in Congress dealing with those issues, crime, immigration, and inflation. So we can talk about that later this hour, as well as whatever else is on your mind on this Monday as we start the second full week of 2023. I'm Bob Joseph, live on News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Did you know... Ten fifteen on a Monday morning. This is Bob Joseph, live on News Radio WNBF. We're joined by Mark Murphy, founder of Greenlight Networks, a Binghamton native. Mr. Murphy, welcome back to WNBF. Bob, it's great to be back, and it's great to have some news to share with everybody in Binghamton today. Well, we uh, we're talking about broadband. Uh, on our program on Friday, of course, uh, many pockets of upstate New York still have um, n- not much access to any type of high-speed broadband, but uh, there is more competition coming, and certainly uh, Greenlight Networks has been very busy in recent months with installations here in in Broome County, and I believe uh, that will be happening in Tioga County as well. Uh, give us a, a little update on on where things stand, and also uh, some news that the company is announcing today. Thanks, Bob. In terms of our construction progress, since we last talked, we've added another twenty thousand homes that that have now access to green light and and fiber broadband, and that's across the state, uh, specifically in Binghamton. We've completed a good amount of work in the Enwell area. Uh, We're currently working in the Enwell-Ashton district now and up in the town of Union. We'll be wrapping up the Sapphire Greenlight District this month. Been busy on Binghamton's west side, continue to make progress there. But over the course of this year, expect to see Greenlight and our contractors throughout the area continue to uh, do a whole lot of construction. Uh, today, we're we're really excited to announce that um, we're going to be putting a price decrease in effect, which 
unlike I think many of our competitors who, who this time of the year, they're announcing price increases. Uh, we're announcing a price decrease for our most popular service, which is our gigabit service. Uh, and we're going to take that down 25% from $100 a month to $75 a month. And for those customers on our 500 megabit per second service, uh, they're still going to be paying $50 a month. So no price increases, uh, price decreases. And then the other thing that we're uh, breaking here today with you is that we're launching a 5 gigabit service, which folks can go on and order on our website today. And as a matter of fact, uh, the first customer we had was in Enwell, who's already found our website and gone in and gotten that 5 gigabit service. So they're the first ones in the state that will be getting our 5 gigabit service um, coming in very soon. So um, we're, we're excited. Again, we're holding the line on pricing. We're making bandwidth more affordable to families in a time when, uh, as, as you were speaking before, about inflation and the importance of trying to hold the line on prices. So we're doing that, and, um, and we're going to continue to be the fastest internet fiber internet provider in New York State. Well, a lot of people will be surprised to hear anything about a price decrease. Um, and I think it's been sort of a, a common theme over the years when it comes to broadband, cable TV, newspapers, uh, energy costs. Everything always goes up and sometimes goes up by double digits. So tell us a little bit about how Greenlight Networks is in a position at the moment to actually decrease the prices for uh some of the services being offered. So our price, our cost of doing business has certainly grown over the past year. Uh, we continue to have more people. We're, we're hiring more people. We're paying them more. The price of gas is up. But you know, as a as a management team and our with our investors, we've decided for this year to certainly hold the line on that. And I think it's important to note that since the nearly twelve years we've been in business, we've never had a price increase. And that's a question that we, we do get a lot. I think the nature of our fiber optic network and the scalability of that network is really what allows us to do more and be able to provide more bandwidth for the same price or for, for a lesser price. So I think it's, you know, it comes down to our network. We're continuing to grow across the state. So, you know, we're, we're looking to continue to add a whole lot more customers to our network. Our network is built to accommodate that as well as to accommodate more speeds. And, you know, we just see certainly more demand from things like, you know, the Thursday night Amazon football game is exclusively being streamed. If you look at all the coverage from the CES show this week, it's all about AR and VR and things that are going to require a lot of bandwidth. So our philosophy has really always been to give our customers as much bandwidth as they can use and, and let's let them figure out what they want to do with it. We never want to be the ones telling them they can't have more. It's 1020. We're speaking with Mark Murphy, founder of Greenlight Networks. He's joining us this morning from Rochester. One thing that I uh, hadn't thought about but was brought up a few days ago by a listener was that depending on where Greenlight Networks is working to add its service, uh, some of the installation challenges are, are different. For example, about four months ago when I uh, caught up with uh, Greenlight Network's crew on Binghamton's west side, they were installing service at single-family and, and also multi-unit apartment houses. But the 
uh, fiber lines were being installed, I believe, on NYSEG poles, so it was above ground. But a listener who does live off Taft Avenue, I think in one of those uh, neighborhoods that you mentioned, uh, either Ashton or Sapphire Districts off Taft Avenue, he pointed out to me that those installations are somewhat more complex because the the fiber lines are, are actually being installed underground. That's right, and that is, uh, it's more expensive for us to do it, um, but, you know, we're certainly not going, it wouldn't be neighborly of us to come in and, and install brand new telephone lines in front of people's houses or telephone poles. So we'll follow what the existing utilities have done, uh, and, and we'll bury the lines in those neighborhoods where the utilities are buried. In most cases, the municipalities just want to follow the existing utility line uh, whether that's aerial or underground, and that's what we do. And tell me logistically what that means, because it seems that there's at least one additional step where you have to bring in a, a contractor to actually actually do the, the excavation type of uh, situation that, say, doesn't exist in uh, residential neighborhoods, older neighborhoods, and places like Binghamton and Johnson City. It does. It, it does create a little bit more complexity in, in time to the actual construction, but where it saves us some time is is in the application, not having to go through the pole application process. The process to get on utility poles is very cumbersome. It's very lengthy. In some cases, it's taken us nearly two years, believe it or not, to actually be able to get on these utility poles uh, with the amount of of pole replacements that are required with the amount of work that needs to be done by the utilities on those poles. Um, So we can actually get our work done faster, um, start to finish in those underground neighborhoods, but on a per home basis, it does tend to be more expensive. For 2023, what are the, uh, the goals down here in the Binghamton area? Any new areas that that could be considered for uh, the expansion of Greenlight Network service that you haven't already mentioned publicly? Um, You know, I suspect we'll continue to make progress throughout the city of Binghamton this year. Uh, I think most of the municipalities that we've announced in in both Broome and Tioga counties are are areas that we'll continue to build in. Um, You know, our office is located in the town of Vestal, and we'll continue to do some work in Vestal as well. So um, at this point, you know, the team is is really focused on building on the momentum that we started to get last year, partnering with with NYSEG and and the other utilities on getting faster access to the utility poles. And we're hoping that that the winter weather continues to cooperate, at least in Binghamton and in other part eastern parts of the state where. We haven't seen significant snowfall, and our underground crews can continue to work throughout the winter. Is Greenlight Networks going to attempt to eventually hit all uh, of, say, Binghamton's neighborhoods? Or are there some sections of the city where, at least at this time, Greenlight Networks is not going to wire just because of, um, well, ultimately... Uh, making decisions about how much return on investment you likely would receive. Obviously, in some parts of Binghamton, there are people better positioned to um, want 
high-speed broadband service and and also depending on on number of apartment houses or whatever number of uh, uh, potential customers reach per mile it could be more um, uh, of a wise investment you could return get a return on your investment more quickly in some parts of the city ultimately is there a likelihood that green light networks can wire all of binghamton or is that just not feasible i think it's feasible now with the the new federal program that's out there the um which it's called the acp program folks can go to our website to get uh, more information on it, but it's the Affordable Connectivity Program. And what that does is for customers, let's say, that wanted to get our $50 service for 500 megabits up and down, they can apply for this program and actually get $30 off of that um, uh, off of their service. So they'd only be paying $20 a month, which is obviously a very affordable price for everyone. So we're continuing to promote that program so that we can, you know, we are able to go really everywhere and be able to provide our service to everyone. Um, And that's, I think, one way to do that. And then I think the other way is looking at some of the other uh, infrastructure-related programs that are getting rolled out later this year. New York State, I think right now in the FCC mapping, has only identified about 1% 1% or less of areas that they would consider unserved. Um, that's what I think largely that money is going to go toward. But the other thing that we're working toward is for places where um, in affordable uh, home housing communities and places like that, being able to access those funds to, as you were saying, get into deeper into those apartment buildings with infrastructure that can support higher speeds that, you know, frankly, Everyone needs to work, live, and play these days. If people want to know whether their particular uh, address, whether it's residential or or business, is uh, currently served or will be served soon by Greenlight Networks, what can they do? They can go to our website, which is actually uh, brand new. We we launched a new website over the weekend, same address, uh, new new look and new new functionality. So that's greenlightnetworks.com. Uh, so folks can go there to um, to see where where we're at in our construction process. If they uh, if they give us their email address at that time, we can keep them updated on that progress via email, and they can sign up and get um, a gigabit of internet for only seventy five dollars now. Is the rollout in Broome County going at about the speed you anticipated when it was announced last year? It is. I, I mean, we'd always like to see it go faster. I think that, you know, the continuing to find additional qualified contractors to do the work is a challenge and, and one that we're continuing to find uh, contractors that can get that work done. But, you know, our our hope is that 2023 we add significantly more homes to that network. And, um, and, and I'm excited about growing in Broome County, growing our office in Vestal, uh, adding to our employment down there. It's, it's important to me and it's important to our company to continue to grow in the Southern Tier. And I note on your website, there is a section, a career section, if people are interested in uh, saying what positions might be available now or perhaps in the future, people could check that out on the website as well. Yes, thanks for that. Um, we've recently brought on a field marketing person in Binghamton. We've added some additional 
construction personnel and field installers. And, you know, we see that is a really important center for us as we continue to expand across the southern tier and in in other parts of the state. Mark Murphy, founder of Greenlight Networks and a Binghamton native this morning live on WNBF. Thanks for the update. We'll be keeping in touch. Look forward to perhaps chatting with you in a few months to see how things are going. Thanks, Bob. And we're going to be doing a whole lot of stuff at the Black Bears hockey game coming up. we got an event at Rec Park and we're going to be doing some Facebook Live stuff with the Binghamton Chamber. So those are also opportunities if folks want to interact with us to find us. Thank you. Hope you have a great week. Thanks, Bob. It's 1030. This is Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. Yesterday my life was filled with rain Sunny You smiled at me and really eased the pain Now the dark days are done and the bright days are here My sunny one shines so sincere Sunny one so true I love you 1032 WNBF 607-772-1290 is the number if you want to share your thoughts. Here's a story ripped from the headlines. Oh, call uh, Dick Wolf. He'll put it on Law and Order. What a great show. Well, not a great show. What a great uh, way to make lots of money <laughs> by the New York Post and then use stories from the New York Post and sometimes the Daily News as the fodder for your TV series. It's a story about a middle school teacher who uh, was arrested after he overdosed on fentanyl in front of his students, according to the cops, at Roosevelt Intermediate School, somewhere in New Jersey. Uh, A staff member reported a teacher was unconscious inside a classroom. Uh, In the announcement, the Police chief said the teacher was initially observed in distress by students before an administrator called a school resource officer, and apparently they uh, saw he needed some uh, naloxone or Narcan. So they gave uh, the teacher some Narcan, and apparently uh, that helped him. So there you go. (laughs) New Jersey teacher. I know. I doesn't sound possible that a New Jersey teacher would overdose on fentanyl in his classroom, but that's what they say happened. Ripped from the headlines, 1034 WNBF. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Airport Road, Bob, Maine. Hi. How are things in my favorite town? Well, listen, I know your social uh, calendar is usually so full. I wanted to give you plenty of notice that the town meeting is next week in the town of Maine, and they will be discussing this corporate park. And I do believe it's the IDA that's putting the uh, questionnaire on. It will be a packed house, Bob. So what are your neighbors saying about the idea of a major corporate park off East Main Road and, and Airport Road? What's, what's the buzz? Um, nobody wants it. Um, they, they, 
there's no information anywhere as um, even the people on the planning board at the town of Maine are still in the dark. And I would guess that they should be one of the first people in the town of Maine to know what's going on. Um, Jason was on the other day, said that they're going through with all of their testing. There is an option on the property. Um, rumor has it that they're proposing um, to put a red light on Airport Road right across from the cemetery at the town of Main Line. Can you imagine a, a red light there? Um, you got so much traffic going to the airport now with the dump and everything else. It's The roads are a mess from the garbage on the road. Yes, nobody wants it. So when is the town of Maine meeting scheduled to uh, take place? Next Tuesday, I believe that's the 17th. Yeah, okay. And what and time will uh, it be? Um, the meeting starts at 6. You do, I would, uh, it's going to be packed, but um, I do know there's other stuff on the uh, meeting list before they discuss this, so I don't know what, exactly what time this is going to be discussed. Town of Maine, do they stream their meetings? Would people be able to view the meeting online, or don't you know? I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not a geeky kind of guy. I, I don't even have Internet at my house, so um, I have to go out and walk along the highway and knock on my neighbor's doors and communicate physically, you know, uh, old school. Well, let me uh, just take a look at the Town of Maine website. Um well, that, I couldn't even get on the towpath last night or yesterday afternoon, all day. Hmm. Their website is um, functional at their discretion. <laughs> if you look at their website, you'll find that um, me minutes from town meetings sometimes don't show up for months at a time. Um, there are quite a few other towns and other uh, local governments like that. Heck, even the city of Binghamton is, is somewhat lagging. It's inconsistent. Sometimes things, videos and and meeting minutes make it up after a few days. But you know, it's amazing. You would think in 2023, whether it's the town of Maine or the city of Binghamton or Broome County, you would think everything would be online almost instantly, not necessarily the minutes. I mean, somebody has to uh, prepare the minutes. But, but something like a video of a meeting. I, it seems to me now that we're in 2023, every government meeting ought to be recorded, actually streamed live in case we can't make it, and then also the recording ought to be posted that evening. It's not that difficult. Even I could do it, but uh, well, they I haven't, it, yeah. I believe it's something that uh, you keep the normal people in the dark and you keep them stupid. They uh, can just pretty much do whatever they want and uh, um the, their power. I mean, by the time a regular landowner finds out what's going on, something's usually already been passed. That's um, typical. I, I see that happening with some frequency, and now especially uh, since reporters are an endangered species, uh, stories that in the past, even five or ten years ago, issues and proposals that would have received lots of coverage usually receive no coverage before they're approved it seems to me like a lot of things are are getting rammed right through i'm not saying they're necessarily bad things but things just in general get rammed through and by the time the average person or even the average reporter finds out about it it's too late 
Well, you know, it's sad because, um, you know, it looks like it may be the same situation that the poor residents of Bun Hill went through where you had every resident along Bun Hill who's uh, spent extra money uh, to, to buy a property, to build a house, to live on a piece of property that they're paying a premium for, that they're paying a premium tax for, and all the landowners show up and they don't want something to happen, and the the five people or the six people in charge of the board or the, the council override the overwhelming demand of the people um, for the almighty dollar. Um, yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, it's interesting because at one time the town supervisor would come on the program. Now, apparently, because the issues are too difficult or the questions are too unpleasant, uh, the town supervisor has decided to no longer participate. And I, I I see that as a trend, not that these people are bad people. It's just that after a while, they start off uh, wanting to participate and answering a few relevant questions about things going on in their um, municipality or their school district. And then after the questions start to get a little too difficult, then they they become scarce and it becomes radio silence. Well, like I said, it's uh, going to be interesting. Uh, we may not, uh, as taxpayers and landowners be able to do anything about it but at least we can uh, make our voice out there loud and clear and you know don't understand how people like the IDA um, want to go with these programs that goes against the grain of everything in the town uh, charter town charter of Maine says they want to grow um, a small amount each year with a single family residences um, in the residential area, and now they want to change the zoning um, to something other than residential in two particular towns, okay? Town of Maine, Town of Binghamton, although they're both the town of Union, they are separate entities. Um, We have so many corporate buildings or corporate um, properties that are empty. I mean, the corporate park at Chokina is half empty. I mean, the saving... um, corporate park up there uh, what do they need another one for if that one's empty um there's all kinds of commercial property near the airport that's available for building there's commercial buildings near the airport which are all in commercial areas of maine that are empty um i just want to know who's getting rich on this other than uh the landowner i mean they're paying three times the, the rate for the property um it, it's just crazy. The IDA, IDA has a, this shaky um, attitude. I mean, they they have a, a sewer line from the airport to Endicott that's been in the ground now eight years, and they spent $15 million on, and it doesn't work. Nobody's hooked up. It's just sitting in the ground. It's a waste of money. Again, I see this as a waste of money. And uh, invasive on the people here, I mean, the airport road traffic already is crazy. I've, I grew up here. It's 70 years on this road. And like I said, the garbage trucks, um, everything, uh, it's just crazy. Listen, I'll let you go okay. on your show. Yeah, thanks, uh, for the, any- thanks for the tip. I'm sure, I'm sure some residents of the town of Maine were not aware of that. Perhaps uh, some people at the TV stations, if they uh, have somebody working on on the evening of January 17th, they can uh, go over and, and cover that meeting so we get a sense of what Maine residents feel about this. Well, I'm sure it's going to be a packed house, even though uh, 
um, I'm sure it'll be a packed house. And everybody that isn't there, I will have a, a, a listing from them, their name, their address, how long they've lived at their property, and their proposal on this. And if we need to come back at a different meeting, I'm sure I can get twice as many people to show up for the second meeting. Um, I've gone door to door, so see what we can find out. Anybody has any information to help me out, um, or anybody has any information that they can share, I wish they would call your show. Okay. I think it's important. We'll uh, Thanks, encourage Bob. people to, to keep each other informed. Thanks for your call. Thanks, Bob. 1044, Bob Joseph on your side. These days, more than ever, information is scarce, accurate information, very scarce. And the reality is you have to, if you live, whether it's town of Maine, town of Union, city of Binghamton, uh, the villages of Johnson City and Endicott, heck, town of Vestal, attend the meetings because most of them will not be covered. Same with board, the boards of education. If you have a concern that they're going to close down your school, I'm not talking just about Binghamton, any school district, or that they're going to do something special. A board of education that wants to do something special for you. Attend the meetings. Attend the meetings. Remember, the revolution won't be televised, and in most cases, the meetings won't be televised or covered at all either. So, in 2023, even in this age of instantaneous communication and the glory of social media, you have to act. Protect yourself, protect your family, protect your community. If you think that most of the things that are going to affect your neighborhood are going to be on the news, you're in for a rude awakening. That's the truth. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I have to be blunt. But that's because I'm concerned about you and your family. This is Bob Joseph, News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. No kidding. You don't say. 1048 WNBF, Bob Joseph. Yes, I'll call myself the voice of the people because all the other voices seem to have been silenced. 607-772-1290. Let's go back to those hotlines. Good morning, hotline. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Brew here. Who? Mr. Brew. All right. And where are you calling from? The city line. All right. Which city line? 
over over at uh, Binghamton and Johnson City? By the arch. Near the arch. Okay, tell me. Tell me what's uh, on your mind. The street in Binghamton where you have to go through Johnson City to get to it. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> I know that street. I, hey, I've been on your street, my friend. You're, you must be uh, invisible. I haven't seen you lately. Well, I, I didn't say lately. No, I haven't been on your street lately. Remember, a few years ago I was on your street because I did some news stories. I called it, what did I call it? Like the secret street or mystery street or something. But but anyway, because okay. it's weird because it's for people who are, are not familiar with the street, you have to say like, for people who live on the street or in the city of Binghamton, if you call for help from the Binghamton police, they have to actually go into Johnson City and drive on Main Street and then turn left, and then they can get back, or they go on your street and then get back into the city. Right. I heard you talking with the uh, Greenaway or whatever they're called. Greenlight, Greenlight Networks. Yes. Um. A couple months ago, or back in the fall, I recall seeing uh, personnel here on this street, and I could see up West End Avenue from my house, too, uh, raising the street lights. And it was I was told it was done for the uh, benefit of the new Internet provider coming in. Now, this guy's talking about putting all the stuff underground. Uh, why did we raise the lights? Well, he wasn't talking about putting it underground. I mean, I brought it up because in some places they are putting it underground, but those are only the, the neighborhoods that already have their utilities buried. So, for example, the area that a listener mentioned last week in the town of Union, the Endwell area off Taft Avenue, some of those newer neighborhoods have all the utility lines, the electric lines and everything else, cable TV, they're underground. And so Greenlight Networks will bury its fiber lines underground, but say in Binghamton or Johnson City, where utility poles already exist, they'll reach an accommodation, some sort of agreement with NYSEG to be able to use those existing poles for their fiber. So they, they won't have to bury them. They'll just uh, tack them on to the poles somewhere probably between the electric line and the old telephone lines and the cable TV lines. Okay, but the issue I have is that by raising the lights, you're now making the street darker because they're not putting a brighter bulb in. Well, I hadn't thought about that, but guess... So you, again, just to clarify, you live in the city of Binghamton, right? Right. So you know who you should call? Well, I've dealt with them to try to put at least one more light on the street, and they can't do it. They're well, call the mayor. You can't reach the mayor. 772. Well, I, I can't give his number out uh, on... I know his number. Yeah, well, it's in the phone book, but I can't give it out. But anyway, you can... Yes. So call, call Mayor Jared Cram. And let them know you're concerned that, that the lighting isn't as good as it ought to be on your street, Beverly Place, and then he'll send over a, a crew and assess it and probably fix it. Um, like I said, you got to go through seven people to get to him. Well, at least you're able to get to him. 
No, nobody said nobody said it was supposed to be easy. If it was easy, everybody would call him. I'm getting too old for this crap. Well, anyway. me too. I hey, trust me. I I'm old enough to remember when when mayors would I could call a mayor, Mayor Libis or Mayor Crab or Mayor Bucci or Mayor Ryan, I and Mayor David. I'm old enough to remember when they would return my call. So I I don't I don't like the way things are either, but. You know, beggars can't be choosers. I, you know, this is the new era. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. I didn't say it's better. It's just different. Okay. You know what? Your best bet: send an email. Because, because he, I do know for a fact that that the mayor reads his emails, and uh, sometimes he, if I have questions for stories, that's what I do now. I, I send an email to the mayor, and uh, quite often he he replies. So he will read his email. So why don't you do it that way? Well, next week I'll try again. Okay. All right. Let me know how, how you make out. Okay. All right. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Remember, I'm on your side. You know, I, I understand times change and, you know, the era of print newspapers and the era of people returning phone calls. I mean, that's, it was fun while it lasted. 1054, Bob Joseph, moving forward, not complaining, just making observations. Weekday mornings from 9 to noon on WNBF. Did you? News Radio 1290, WNBF. Bob Joseph, a guy who will answer his phone when you call 607 772 1290 to talk on WNBF. Hello? News Radio WNBF, where the uh, fun, the fun and the frolic continue. So the other day, okay, not the other day, over the weekend, I was um, out and about enjoying uh, myself, a little little get-together with some folks, some people I knew, and, oh, some people I didn't know. Of course, I always always like to make friends uh, as quickly as possible, and always love meeting new people. So, uh, the other day at a gathering, I, I was chatting with a person. It turns out uh, he didn't know me when we started our conversation, but then somebody pointed out who he was talking to, and then he said, no, you're kidding. Or words that affect. And it turns out the uh, 
person he listens to the program and then i found out he has some thoughts about the program and the host so with his permission i asked him if i could uh, record some of his thoughts about uh, the wnbf talk show and the person who is the host of that program and i think <laughs> i think you'll be um i think you'll be pleased i think you'll be pleased with what he had to say. If I can uh, possibly, okay, here we go. Time for the voice of the people. What are your true thoughts about WNBF's Bob Joseph? Well, to be honest with you, I just met Bob Joseph tonight for the first time and I've been listening to him for many, many years. And he has a way of uh, irritating people to the point where it brings up more discussion about the community and where we're going and like that. But it's sometimes when he's irritating people, he does not uh, relate th the end of the story. He'll get you excited so you can comment on the story and relate your feelings. But in the end, we're left up in the air as to what the final result or the uh, end of the story is. There is no end of the story with Bob Joseph. <laughs> he continues daily to contribute to the community uh, what we're thinking about, what he's thinking about, and keeps us the excitement going from day to day. So in reality, Bob Joseph is an asset to the community as he keeps us informed, or at least tries to at times, and uh, respects our answers and questions that we present to him. Thank you for speaking from the heart. I appreciate that. You're welcome. All right. So there you go. It was totally unscripted. wasn't staged. It was a listener, an actual listener, giving me a sense of what he thought about the host here on WNB. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Monday, January 9th. You're listening to WNBF. A police officer being investigated for his actions during a New Year's Day arrest in downtown Binghamton has been assigned to desk duty. A 24-year-old man filed a complaint last week with the city police department regarding the officer's actions. Video clips posted online appear to show an officer kneeling on the man's neck near State and Hawley Streets, a short distance from the police station. Police Chief Joseph Sikursky Friday morning released a statement about the department's investigation into the complaint. Sikursky said the agency continues its investigation into a personnel complaint made Monday regarding the arrest that was made on State Street on January 1st. The police chief wrote, the officer who is the subject of the complaint will remain on desk duty pending the results of the investigation. Zakursky's statement indicated the man was arrested and charged with disorderly conduct and resisting arrest around 3.20 a.m. on New Year's Day. He said the arrest followed a fight involving multiple people. Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram issued a statement to news organizations indicating the incident would be swiftly and thoroughly investigated to determine facts, including review of body cam footage. Frankie Rios, age 42, of Troy, New York, pled guilty to illegally possessing a firearm as a convicted felon and possession with intent to distribute cocaine and cocaine base. 
Rios, a convicted felon, admitted that he possessed a 25 caliber Mauser handgun with six rounds of ammunition on March 30th, 2019. The handgun was recovered from Rios by Troy police officers responding to a stabbing at a bar on 4th Street in Troy. Rios also admitted that on February 17th, 2021, he possessed over 100 grams of cocaine and cocaine base with intent to distribute those substances in Troy. Rios faces a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison, a fine up to $1 million, and a term of post-imprisonment supervised release of at least three years when he's sentenced on May 11th. On January 8th, a state trooper observed a 2020 Jeep Renegade traveling eastbound on State Route 104 in the town of Webster at a high rate of speed. The trooper pulled out from his stationary position while attempting to catch up to the target vehicle. The Jeep Renegade drove off the south shoulder and struck the bridge at Five Mile Line Road. The vehicle overturned and caught fire. The trooper utilized a fire extinguisher to control the fire and extinguish the flames. The operator was pronounced deceased at the scene and was the sole occupant of the vehicle. The driver's name is being withheld pending family notification. The West Webster Fire Department responded and assisted at the scene. The New York State Police Bureau of Criminal Investigations is continuing the investigation. And the New York State Office of the Attorney General responded to the scene. On January 6th, state police arrested Thomas R. Butts, age 37, from Casanova, New York, and charged him with one count of criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, a Class C felony, 15 counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, a Class D felony, and 22 counts of failure to safely store firearms in the first degree, a Class A misdemeanor. The arrest is the result of an investigation into an illegal narcotics complaint inside his residence on South Road in the town of Fenner. During the investigation, drug paraphernalia, including syringes and numerous glassine envelopes, were located in the area of numerous handguns, assault rifles, assault pistols, and high-capacity magazines. In total, 12 handguns, 6 assault rifles, 2 assault pistols, 4 shotguns, 5 rifles, and 18 high-capacity magazines, and several compliant magazines were seized. Butts was arraigned in the town of Fenner Court and released on $35,000 bail. New York Attorney General Letitia James announced the sentencing of Kadka Pradhan of 52 of Rochester for raping and sexually assaulting an 81-year-old nursing home resident suffering from dementia at the Shore Winds Nursing Home in Rochester in September 2021, where he formerly worked as a housekeeper. In Monroe County Court, Judge Caroline Morrison sentenced Pradhan to 25 years in prison on those charges to be served concurrently and 20 years of post-release supervision. In November 2022, a jury convicted Pradhan of rape in the first degree, criminal sexual act in the first degree, and endangering the welfare of an incompetent or physically disabled person in the first degree and other lower-level offenses. In a press release last week, Attorney General James stated, when a New Yorker enters a nursing home, they and their families expect that they will be treated with care and respect. Kadka Pradhan committed hideous, shocking crimes, violating an elderly nursing home resident who trusted she would be safe at Shore Winds Nursing Home. No time served can ease the pain forced upon one of our most vulnerable, but make no mistake, my office will always go after violent criminals and ensure they are held accountable for threatening New Yorkers' safety. After an epic 15-ballot election to become House Speaker, Republican Kevin McCarthy faces his next big test in governing a fractious, slim majority that could come today when lawmakers are set to consider a rules package to govern the House. Drafting and approving it is normally a fairly routine legislative affair, but in these times, it's the next showdown for the embattled McCarthy. To become Speaker, McCarthy had to make a concession to a small group of hardliners who refused to support him until he yielded to their demands. Now those promises, or at least some of them, are being put into writing to be voted on when lawmakers return this week. And President Joe Biden has wrapped up a four-hour visit to the U.S.-Mexico border. 
The president walked a muddy stretch of the border and inspected a busy port of entry on Sunday, but he did not appear to meet with migrants during his first trip to the region as president. His visit to El Paso, Texas, came as Republicans try to blame him for the record number of migrants coming into the country. Republican Governor Greg Abbott handed Biden a letter saying he has failed to enforce federal law. Later Sunday, Biden arrived in Mexico City for a two-day summit of North American leaders. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, partly sunny with a high near 36. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a low near 29. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, a high near 36. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, a low near 28. And on Wednesday, mostly cloudy with a high near 41. Wednesday night, chance of rain showers after 8 p.m., mixing with snow after 9 p.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 33 degrees, chance of rain 40%. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, news radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm Bob Joseph. I host a talk show in the Parlor City on News Radio, WNBF. I said I'm a talk show host. I got a talk show with a microphone and a telephone. Aren't you impressed? That don't impress me much. Sheesh. Uh, and by the way. That song doesn't impress me much either. Anyway, back to the phone, 607-772-1290. Just a little bit of levity on a Monday. Look, if we can't have fun, what can we have? Ron in Binghamton, you're on the air. Hey, Bob. I'm a, uh, excuse me, I'm a little bit out of breath. I just ran around my dining room table six times getting ready to come on the show because I I wanted to be... A literally raring to go. Literally. Yes, literally. So Sean Hannity, literally, literally is my favorite. Literally. He's my favorite I, radio host. I know. Otherwise, I would have had to say I'm figuratively ready, raring to go. But now I can say I'm literally raring to go. So, All right. What's I, on your mind? If you're raring to go, what's on your mind? Oh, that's about it, Bob. No, I, I do have something. <laughs> I, I am tired already of what the NFL is doing with this DeMar Hamlin thing. And I'll tell you why. Uh, I watched football this weekend. I was watching, um, you know, all of the tributes in the, in the stands to DeMar and I am very happy that DeMar is well and recovering, and I hope he makes a 100% recovery. But, you know, when I see the players gather around DeMar in a circle and or you know, praying, et cetera, I, I'm, I'm all for that. I think that's great. 
But now the NFL has taken this and made this DeMar Hamlin accident into something that uh, takes your mind off what is happening in the NFL. No one is gathering in a circle around, oh, for example, Mike Adamley, who played uh, for a number of teams in the NFL, has been diagnosed as best they can with uh, CTE, has had epileptic seizures due to playing football. You've got so many, and it's now hundreds and will be thousands of people who have played football who are suffering from brain damage. This is part and parcel of playing a very vicious uh, game. Uh, I know it's a game that people get behind and, you know, brings out their tribal spirits. You know, if you live in Cleveland, you're you're for Cleveland. If you live live around New York or in Binghamton, you're a a, um, mafia, uh, Bill's mafia person or a Giants uh, tribe. I understand that. But the NFL sitting there with their billions of dollars coming in, uh, they they take what happened to DeMar. Ooh, that's a blip on our radar here. I wonder if this is going to affect our bottom line. Well, you know what? This is turning out well. Everyone is praying for DeMar. We've come together. We've put aside our tribalism and we're all for this guy. Well, I'm for him, too. But I think we need, if we're going to pray, let's pray for all of the young people who are getting into football too early, all of the high school kids. It's now showing up in high schoolers, CTE. This is a big sham. I'm a sports fan. I say play baseball, uh, run track, swim, play basketball. But, hey, we're... Th- we're they're pulling this over our eyes, and we're willing participants. And, uh, you know, whether you're Buffalo Mafia or New York Giants fans or Arizona Cardinals fans, you've been had. Well, I have more I could say, but, you know, I don't want to get on the wrong side of the commissioner, so I'll maintain my public silence. You're pals with him, aren't you? I am now. You know, I, I didn't used to be, but remember the phrase, money talks, no one walks? Yeah. So I have nothing but good things to say about the commissioner and the National Football League. Well, Roger Goodell and you went to different schools together, didn't you? I'm not able to comment on that. But I will say this. I, do, I can say this. I do believe Roger Goodell has been leading the NFL in a tremendous manner since he became commissioner, and he's continuing. He's following in the footsteps of some other fine sports commissioners, including Pete Rozelle and uh, Bowie Kuhn. Well, Bob, you know, it's winter. Don't make me laugh. I have chapped lips. <laughs> you imagine? No, let's not go there. Um, I think... No, I can't say that because, again, money talks, no one walks. I will, again, assert that Roger Goodell is truly an American hero. Oh, you facetious. Don't. Don't go too far. You know, nobody's been banned from the program yet. You wouldn't ban me, would you? I didn't say I would, but I didn't say I wouldn't. Remember, in the end... 
It's now Roger Goodell calling the shots. Roger Goodell, my hero. I'm going to choose to emulate Roger Goodell. Well, let's Makes see you wonder what happened since Friday's program, doesn't it? Yes. If the yes. newspaper had an investigative reporter, she would contact me and try to get me to spill the bean. Bob, Bob, I heard what you said on Monday's program. Would you agree to a sit-down interview? And it would be like, oh, no, I have no comment. If this <laughs> hey, if it, if it works for if it works for the mayor and the police chief, it could work for me. I have no comment. Well, Bob, if, if this town needs something, it needs a white paper on the Bob Joseph Binghamton Now show. Don't you think we got to get to the bottom of this, Bob? It, it'll be Bob Gate. I say get Woodward Bob and Bernstein, Gate. and and of course, Leslie Stahl. What? You you mean it turns colors? It turns colors, you say. You mad <laughs> investigative report. Woodward and Bernstein, led by Leslie Stahl. That would be a sixty minutes piece for all time. Leslie Stahl, yeah, she's great and, and Lester Holt. I like Lester Holt. Well, I like Lester Holt. Don't put him in the same yeah. league as Leslie Stahl. Come on, man. <laughs> anyway. I have a sense this is going to be a great week. Yeah, it's it's starting off, uh, you know, raring to go. Yes. And let's see. In 41 minutes, I'll be raring to go. Bob Joseph, 607-772-1290 is the number. I call it the hotline. So if you want to see if that line actually works, you're free to call in. And, uh, share your thoughts. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yes, this is Vinny from Binghamton. Vincent um, from Binghamton. Good morning. Yes, good morning. You know, I, I just wanted to talk, Bob, about our house and Kevin McCarthy and all that nonsense that's yes. going on. Yes, remember that couple. song, Our House. It used to be a very nice house. And now look at yeah. it. Yeah. Now, it, it might be painful for uh, conservative listeners, about I'm about to say. Just All right, well, stand by. So what I will yeah. do, because I think, I think this is a considerate, this is a courteous thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, for some of our uh, sensitive listeners, please turn down your radio for the next two and a half minutes. I'll give people 10 seconds to get to their listening device. If it's their radio or their computer or if they're listening on the app, their phone. Again, please turn down the volume for the next two and a half minutes. If you are a sensitive listener, you may, uh, so it's going to start at 11.20.30. You may be assured that you can turn the volume back on your listening device at exactly 11.23, because uh, there is going to be sensitive comment for the next two or two and a half minutes. Okay, Vinny, they've been warned. Okay. You know, it's, so I'm just talking to my progressive, my independent, my Democratic voters. As you see, this is why it is so important for us to go out to vote, especially in the midterms and every two years when we're putting people in the House and when we're putting people in the Senate is what you've seen these last couple of days down there. They don't even have their act together. These are the same people that tell Joe Biden, you need to bring this country together. You see what? The, they're not even together. So they want us to bring people that together that aren't together. I mean, what, what a joke that was.
demanding from McCarthy, you put me on this committee. I need to go on this committee. Seeing Marjorie Green, oh my God, walking. Let me see. I'm talking down Donald Trump. Oh, let, let me walk. Let me see if I can get the camera on it. You see the one, the one um, House representative from Alabama go after Getz. You saw it. These these guys are horrible. And so, what's going to happen in these next couple? These next what? Two years? Nothing. All they're going to be doing, they're you know, oh Joe Biden needs to do something with the border. Okay, what's your what's your idea of what he should do? Well, he needs to clean up. Give me an idea. They have no ideas. March 23rd of this year. Oh, by the way, sorry to interrupt. Right now, on, uh, I used to call it the Fox News Channel. Right now, I'll just call it the Fox Channel. Fox okay. Channel says House GOP investigation plans. Joe Biden and the Afghanistan withdrawal. Dr. Fauci and the COVID pandemic. Oh, and then they switched uh, the screen. There were three other investigations that the Fox Channel already has lined up now that the Republicans are in charge. Quick, you only have 45 seconds left yep. before our sensitive yep. listeners return. And there you go. The, the, the do-nothing party is what they've turned into. This isn't the Republican Party. This is the do-nothing party. This is what they're going to do, jammed up with stupid nonsense, no hard issues that affect everybody, and just sit there and find out where the camera is. Like I said, March 23rd of this year, there'll be 13 years since the Affordable Care Act. They told us we we're going to change it. We'll get rid of it and change it. We haven't seen anything. They're just all they're, they're do-nothing party is exactly what they are. That's why we have to get stronger. We have to get more people involved, more independence, so we can get something done in this country instead of these 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 critics. Vinny, I'm sorry to report your time is up. Oh, thank you, Bob. Our listeners, are, we are now being rejoined by our more sensitive li listeners. I won't even mention your name. Caller, I'm kicking you loose. All right. It's too controversial. It's too hot for us to handle. We've got sensitive listeners out there. We got to retain. We got a memo. We got a memo. It said retain all your listeners, especially the sensitive ones. Especially when you're talking about sensitive topics. Be sensitive to their concerns. Remember, these are tough times. Show some sympathy, maybe a little empathy. My friends. <laughs> 11:24. I can't help myself. Yeah, it's a new week, a new year, the new Bob on WNBF. WNBF. The gentleman from the great state of California and the next speaker of the 118th Congress, Kevin McCarthy. the flowers in the vase that you bought today Staring at the fire for hours and hours while I listen House used to be a very nice house. Until <laughs> they went and made it not so nice. Remember that? 
insurrectionists breaking into the speaker's office. was such a nice house. Yes, a very, very fine house until some outsider intervened. All the different members and hanging with me through all those different votes. But I do want to especially thank uh, President Trump. I don't think you should anybody should doubt his influence. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's really happening, kids. On the other hand, Hakeem Jeffries, who knows his way around downtown Binghamton, I think, spoke the truth. Speaker Emerita Pelosi will go down in history as the greatest speaker of all time. Excuse me, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, Binghamton University graduate and the person who I believe is very familiar with downtown Binghamton. Could you repeat that? Speaker Emerita Pelosi will go down in history as the greatest speaker of all time. Well, there you go. There you go. And it's weird. So we've got the Democratic leaders in Congress, both the new House Democratic leader, Hakeem Jeffries, and the uh, continued big guy in the Senate, Majority Leader Charles Schumer. Remember, it's Charles Schumer. He, uh, well, both Charles Schumer and Hakeem Jeffries, fortunately, can find Binghamton on a map. Does it mean anything, ultimately, in the grand scheme of things? I don't know. I don't know if that's actually good for Binghamton or Broome County or the Southern Tier. The only thing I would think about Hakeem Jeffries and Charles Schumer being able to find Binghamton on a map and actually having spent some time in Binghamton, I would think it can't be a bad thing. So say... Congressman Jeffries and Senator Schumer are looking down a list of communities across the country. They're trying to whittle down a list of, oh, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of great communities across the USA today. And then they're looking to choose, oh, we'll say 25 great communities to get a billion dollars each in federal funding. Well, I say it's good that both Senator Schumer and Hakeem Jeffries have been to Binghamton and in most I'd say it's fairly likely that they also know how to spell Binghamton so that counts for something in fact maybe they could give a lesson to Kathy Hochul's staff because there are some members of Governor Hochul's staff who don't know how to spell Binghamton and even though she allegedly is a governor from upstate New York, maybe it's time to educate her staffers about the proper way to spell Binghamton, because I understand. I understand. Not everybody knows the proper way to spell Binghamton. So maybe Hakeem Jeffries will send a telegram to Kathy Hochul to let her know 
that her staffers ought to learn how to spell. New York State's greatest city. It's 1131. This is Bob Joseph Live. 607-772-1290 is the number. If you have thoughts, you can also send me an email to bob at wnbf.com. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF 921 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. Hey, Pete. to hang out in Cherry Hill Park The game she played lasted all day to way after dark All the girls, they criticized her But all the guys just idolized her Cause Mary Hill was such a thrill after dark In Cherry Hill Park, Park. Oh, my goodness. Mary Hill. Come on, man. 1134 WNBF, WNBF.com on a Monday morning, and the year is just flying by. It's strange. It seems like just uh, the other day it was 2022, and here we are more than a week into 2023, and everything seems to be going... For me, things are going well. As far as the rest of the world, I'll just say, uh, based on my <laughs> quick observation, I don't know if things are going well with the rest of the world. I suppose you could say things are going pretty much as expected. Pretty much as expected for the rest of the world. As far as, as, far as I'm concerned, generally speaking for me, uh, based on the first... About eight and a half days of the year, everything is fine. As far as the rest of the world, well, I'll just say it's par for the course. Not necessarily worse than I expected. It's generally about what I would have expected. Interesting story. Or actually, it turns out it's not a story. It turns out this is opinion, labeled opinion, an editorial from the New York Post. The headline, cynical El Paso cleanup before Biden's visit perfectly sums up his pathetic border policy. So here's the editorial from the New York Post. In his most effective action yet on the illegal migrant crisis, President Biden went to El Paso for his first border visit since taking office and opening the floodgates. Yes, it was empty symbolism and a cynical gambit serving his plans to run in 2024 for barely three hours, but even setting the stage for the gesture has real-world consequences. As the border agents and local cops cleared El Paso streets of migrants who had camped out because the city shelters are beyond full. So they're making a big deal out of the effort to clean up this area of El Paso before President Biden visited. Well, the only thing I can say about presidential visits, and I've seen a few around here over the years. I remember Ronald Reagan showed up here, uh, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama. Uh, typically, yes, before a presidential visit, 
things get cleaned up. <laughs> if if you want to see people people acting as though they have a mission, just let them know a presidential visit is coming up. So whether it was Endicott before Ronald Reagan's visit, remember they they repaved part of East Main Street, the area where the presidential motorcade would travel on. They repaved it a couple of days before Ronald Reagan visited. Um, they cleaned up parts of Johnson City. Not too many parts because Bill Clinton wasn't going to see much between the airport and Fountain's Pavilion. Uh, I think they cleaned up a little bit of Vestal and certainly Binghamton University campus when Barack Obama showed up. So that is what happens. It's true. No matter where a president goes, whether it's in the United States or even visiting another country, they always, always, always clean up the place before the president arrives. And yes, it's cynical. Man, is it cynical. But it's predictable. If you, here's, here's the thing. If you want, I'll, I'll pick a random street. See, if you want, okay, I'm not going to pick a random street in Binghamton because that wouldn't be fair to people who live on the street. So I'm going to refrain from mentioning a specific street. But say, if you want a specific street in Binghamton, Johnson City, Endicott, Vestal, Endwell, or whatever, cleaned up, all you have to do is make arrangements for Joe Biden to visit, and that street will be cleaned up so fast it'll make your head spin. Trust me. And yes, is it going to be cynical? Yeah. Absolutely. But if... Again, say you live on a street. What about that street that people neglect over there uh, off um, Main Street near the, the Arch, the Binghamton-Johnson City Arch, the street where uh, about half the homes are in Johnson City and half the homes are in Binghamton? If you want that street fixed up, if you want the lighting fixed, if you want it repaved, if you want everything fixed up so it's pristine, Make arrangements for Joe Biden to visit. Let the city of Binghamton and the village of Johnson City know that Joe Biden is going to visit that street next Sunday. And you're going to see some cynical cleanup action. The type of cynical cleanup action you rarely see in Broome County. That's how you get your street or your neighborhood cleaned up. Get the president to visit. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? John, I'm, I'm here in the, the WNBF listening area. <laughs> Am I right, though, about if you want a cynical cleanup of your street or neighborhood, just make arrangements for the president of the U.S. to visit, and, and your street or your neighborhood might get cleaned up? Well, yeah, I think that's a reasonable case. It's just how... How much they could clean it up? I mean, they clean it well, up. Well, I know, I know. There are some streets in Binghamton that that say if the president, and again, I'm not going to embarrass any specific streets, but say if we found out, if WNBF News learned that President Biden was planning to visit a specific street on Binghamton's north side or a specific street on Binghamton's west side, and I knew. And I was the only person who had the information, and I put it out there on our website this afternoon that the president was going to visit that street this coming Sunday. Don't you think that City Hall would attempt to do something? I don't know what they can do in, in five or six days, but they'd try to do something to clean it up.
Yeah, put in Kevlar drapes or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Put put in, uh, what do they do in, in some business districts where all the stores have closed, but they, they put stuff in the windows to make it look like there still is some sort of legitimate business going on. I mean, there's steps that can be taken. I mean, can't you can't perform a miracle in five or six days, but City Hall would try. Well, yeah, I, I think when Kevin McCarthy comes back, uh, they'll clean it up a bit. Oh, I forgot. Kevin McCarthy was right here over on uh, the State Street with my good friend. Um, I don't remember her name now, but wasn't didn't she bring in Kevin McCarthy for some kind of a... No, that was Paul Ryan. Oh, the, oh thank you. Hey, <laughs> yes, but but still, same idea that, that uh, she brought in Paul Ryan. And I don't believe, if I'm not mistaken, despite protest and despite Paul Ryan being sort of a newsworthy gentleman, I don't believe that she made any arrangements for Paul Ryan to speak with local reporters. Didn't he kind of slink in and slink out of that yeah, venue? Wasn't that venue owned by uh, a former city official where, where the big event was held? Yeah, he had a tour bus like Willie Nelson. <laughs> but... Uh... The, uh, and by the way, just as an edge uh, aside here, uh, <clears throat> when a Speaker of the House leaves, when you ditch one and have another, that Speaker, that former Speaker, gets a budget of like a half a million dollars, gets office space, gets to hire three or four people, uh, you know, for three years after the Speakership. Is that Not true? After, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, it's been in, been in there since... Uh, uh, 1975 or so. That's that's why you see see like Boehner uh, walking around and uh, you know doing his thing. Uh, and then they they use that office and they they carry over their staff and then they work on becoming lobbyists. Uh, you know, one of the one of the great things was uh, when uh, Gephardt got together with Haster. You remember that disgrace speaker. Uh, Denny, they, Denny Haster, right? Was, didn't yeah, he call yeah. himself Denny, like the yeah. fast food joint? Well, we, we call him Coach Hasser. Uh Anyway, uh, when Coach Hasser and uh, uh, Dick Gephardt, of course, uh, both speakers of the House, I guess, right? Uh, they got together, formed a lobbying group. Their first client was the government of Turkey. They split up $1.7 million between the two of them, you know, seven eight hundred thousand dollars a piece, and uh, that was their first foray uh, after uh, leaving the speakership. So yeah, it's it's uh, people don't realize Pelosi's still going to have an office. She's still going to have. Uh, so uh, she's going to still have plenty of ice cream, or I mean, plenty of money, my, my money, your money, taxpayers' money, to buy twenty dollar pints of ice cream. Yeah, yeah, she'll have. A, oh, isn't that great? In addition to her uh, uh, congressional pay, Bob, I uh, I found out a little bit about the American Rescue Funds and how they're dispersed. And, you know, Jason Garner told you in the county legislature, I guess, they have a big surplus, you know, and they sort of attribute it to uh, the economy being good, sales tax revenues. But here's how that real $7 million surplus hand, uh, was, was created. And things are created. Uh, that $7 million was created in a circuitous route with American Rescue Funds. American Rescue Funds, the biggest disbursement thus far, was $7 million uh, that went 
to the payroll of the Broome County Sheriff's Department. In other words, this was money that they were going to pay anyway. They were obligated to pay it by contract. Uh, And they took American Rescue Funds and transferred it over to the Sheriff's Department. Now, this created, what did it create? Well, it created a $7 million surplus instantaneously, which they immediately took $2 million of and gave 1000 bucks to every county employee. So that's, that's how the surplus was created. And by the way, that's $7 million. That's uh, uh, the Sheriff's Department's only $40 million budget only. Uh, so that's about 18 19% of the total Sheriff's budget. Uh, and, and nothing even comes close to that amount. And people say, well, what are you against law enforcement? No, I'm not. Uh, what do you, this has nothing to do with it. This was just, they, they finagled this. They read the restrictions and what they could and could not do uh, as far as these funds. Everybody else got dribs and drabs, of course, except for 250000 for the Binghamton Film Office. You know, I'm sure I'm expecting uh, James Cameron any day now. Pinkerton <laughs> uh, uh, Film Office. Oh my gosh! Two hundred fifty thousand for that. <laughs> so but, maybe we could get David Lynch to film some sort of or to shoot a, a, a film noir uh, thing over under the uh, sinking Chenango Street Bridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Twin Peaks sinking bridge. <laughs> yeah, but most of the rescue funds were two thousand, four thousand, thirty thousand. But it's interesting there we're all in legislative districts, you know, like let's buy these people a new ambulance. So uh so that's it was all in more or less Republican uh seats uh that got the, the lion's share of the funds. But I, I think that's amazing that you would uh do that to the public, and it's you know it's why Onondaga County government is more trustworthy. Not only do they give a double-digit tax uh, decrease, uh, they uh, they uh, are managing things uh, properly. So that's what it is. Of course, they're um, didn't their uh, was the their Micron miracle? Isn't that going down in flames all of a sudden? Well, it is. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm well, not laughing at them. I'm laughing with them because if you didn't laugh, you would cry. A, a few months well, ago, they were talking as though this was going to be the uh, almost better than the Buffalo Billion scandal. That this actually was going to create lots of jobs and economic firepower for the Syracuse area. Now look, things have well, things have been turned on their head. Well, Ryan McMahon asked one key question: Where's the contract on all this? You know, in other words, they just went. We've seen this many, many times where people go off half cocked, and then you ask them where the agreement is, where the letter of understanding is, where something is, and they don't have any of it, but they announced it uh, in in front of the public and got their mug on TV. The strange thing about that is that that kind of economic, upstate economic redevelopment miracle, to the best of my knowledge, didn't have Andrew Cuomo's fingerprints on it. Isn't isn't that isn't that rare? That what sounds as though. Cuomo's pre- or, uh, successor is is following in his footsteps with all these miraculous redevelopment projects for desperate upstate cities, and well, then when you look at the fine print, it says except you know void in New York State, yeah, and some well, restrictions may apply. 
Well, now you know that those rescue funds weren't used to help the small business people, weren't used to help the people that, to, to bury their dead from COVID. They were used, they were used strictly for the insiders at the county government, these 2,000 employees uh, that, that got the $1,000 bonus and the sheriff's department. Uh, so, so it's not about us. It's still about them. And I just want to reiterate one thing, one common sense thing that I would like to see done by the end of the year. And that's this. If you are in Port Dickinson, if you are in the town of Vestal, if you are in the villages of Endicott and Johnson City, uh, if you are in the city of Binghamton, you are paying for a service that you're not getting. You are paying for sheriff road patrols. And it is a simple matter. They know what the road patrol budget is. It is a simple matter of reimbursing the taxpayers in those municipalities so they're not charged for a service that they're not going to get. So let's end the free ride for Endwell and the town of Shenango and all these places that get all this police uh, protection, state police, sheriff's road patrols, sheriff's calls. They get the they get the uh, things off the backs of these other people that are paying for services, police services that they're not getting. And I think it's about time. And when I see this seven million dollar uh, transfer payment uh, finagled to uh, take the sheriff's payroll and uh, turn it into a magic surplus, when uh, Garner uh, put his uh, top hat and tails on. I, I think it's abso- an absolute fraud, and I think that they should come on and justify this thing because these rescue funds aren't going to anything but rescuing the politicians. Thank you. John from Binghamton, live on News Radio WNBF. This is Bob Joseph. It's a Monday morning. WNBF 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Are you alone? Eleven fifty-three. Bob Joseph live. WNBF getting it done in full color. Ninety-two-one FM, twelve ninety AM. DJ from Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Hey, good morning, Bob. Who, who was that on that uh, that you played that said? Uh... When President Trump endorses you, that's it. Was that Kevin McCarthy a few minutes ago? Well, I don't, uh, I, I guess, it, yeah, it was. It was Kevin McCarthy yeah, okay. from uh, the Brady Bunch. 15 days or 15 votes or whatever that came through. That reminds me of when I kept being told no and no and no and no. You can't use this place. You can't have people come here, blah, blah, blah. During COVID, when Governor Cuomo COVID said we can't have, can't go to church, you can't do anything in it. And I just persisted, man, and we ended up having that parade and Fox 40 News and everybody came. It's just persistence, but... It's called wearing people down. Eventually, people get so fatigued, they just finally say, all right. Right. All right. Well, you know, no, uh, there's was, only... That wasn't the case. I, I'll be honest, you know, case. for some things, there's a, a case, there's only so much people can tolerate, and eventually, yeah, it's like nagging. It's basically like... Uh, with your mom, if you nagged her for the chocolate chip cookies after about the first 15 times, she'd say, all right, Robert, have yourself a chocolate chip cookie. Leave me alone. I want to watch as the world burns. 
in my case, it was when I got the, in my case, it was a different matter. They just, you know, it was COVID and he was afraid and everything, but then through prayer, through the seven, through the partners, you know, 700 club, Kenneth Colton, everybody, boom, we had it, man. And it was a successful parade. But I want to say this, the guy from Binghamton University, you'd expect that from him. Nancy Pelosi is the greatest speaker who ever lived. Nancy Pelosi is a nice person. And she probably did a she is job, a She's know. a great person. She's an American well, hero. She's not the best speaker that ever was. And who's to say that? Everybody, it's, it's according to your style. That's like calling me the best guitarist player in Binghamton. Well, if you like fast rock, well, if you like the alternate. Right, but you're no, you're no Mark Knopfler. They call me that. You're no Sultan of Swing. <laughs> that's jazz guitar. I don't. I don't do. Jazz I know. That's, that was the only name that, that suddenly came to me. <laughs> there, were a, there were a billion guitarists I could have mentioned, and I'm not promoting myself. No, Jimi Hendrix. Congratulations. I knew Jimi Hendrix, and you're no Jimi Hendrix. Well, I do the Star Spangled Banner in the style of Hendrix, and you know it's okay. But anyway, uh, congratulations to Kevin McCarthy. Fifteen days, fifteen votes, whatever, and. Uh, it is what it is, brother. We're blessed. We're a blessed nation because people prayed for him. We have a very dangerous president in there, and we need a good a good speaker who can break the tide. Well, his and, point, and I don't know if it was his point or some other Republican, but some Republican, it could have been Kevin McCarthy, but somebody said that we need checks and balances. And I agree. I don't care if it's in Washington or Albany or, heck, even in Binghamton, we need some checks and balances, and we're not getting it. Right. You know, the, the whole point, let's say in Binghamton, city council, when's the last time uh -huh. that city council ever checked or balanced the fourth floor? I don't know. Well, that's my point. And I'm not saying, I, I'm not talking about a specific issue. The reason right. you have a city council in a place like Binghamton is to seriously consider everything and not rubber stamp everything that comes from the fourth floor. I'm not saying it's new. I mean, this has been going on for most of my life. I'm just saying, uh -huh. you know, where are the checks? Where are the balances? Where are the payoffs? Where Where is the, the cash? I want I want cash. That's kidding. Right. I'm kidding. I'm just saying, there no, in this country, and whether it's local, state, or national government in this country, we have insufficient checks and balances, and believe me, that's exactly the way they like it. And the other thing is, they really love the state of journalism. The fact that we now have uh, seen the decimation of the American journalism infrastructure, this is setting up uh, a real party for our elected officials. And the businesses who support them. 1157, Bob Joseph, the eternal optimist on WNBF. First. Bob Joseph just wanted to point out this program started 11 years ago today. Exactly 11 years ago. So thank you for your support. We are starting our 12th year on News Radio WNBF Binghamton.